This is George Gortzos, five-time world champion in ball hockey, and you are listening to the Sheriff Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to an exclusive episode of The Sheriff. Guys, tonight I am blessed to have one of my idols in front of me right now. This gentleman played 11 seasons in the National Hockey League. Ladies and gentlemen, he had a 50-goal season. Not only that, this man had a 100-point season, okay? The theme for this episode today is going to be talent, humility, production, and leadership. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mike Bullard, how are you doing this evening? Uh, you know, Sean, I'm doing great. Uh, life, uh, you know, you, you, everybody goes through some crossroads, but uh, right now I'm in a really good spot. And, and, you know, I just feel like, you know, I'm 60 years old and I feel like I'm 40. That, that's just the greatest feeling you can possibly have. Well, dude, you're 60 years old. You feel like you're 40. We're on video right now. You look like you're 35, okay? Thank you. You're doing well. <laughs> you sound like an absolute rock star. Ladies and gentlemen, are you hearing this voice? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, man, I, I could just imagine what the people are imagining what you look like right now, Mike, with that voice. You know, I've been, it's funny, Sean. I've been called Nick Nolte. I've been called the guy from the water boy. I, I, I've been called... Everything and and you know it's funny like all the younger guys uh, are from around here they always say bully why don't you go on that celebrity make a phone call thing and I said <laughs> if I ever knew how to if I ever knew how to hook it up I said man I'd love to do it because you know my daughter says to me uh, all the time says dad it's your voice you're you you're, you don't have a face for TV but you got a voice. <laughs> You got to face radio. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I, I hear you. But, like, honestly, um, it is pretty cool, Mike. And, you know, to be honest with the listeners, the way that we've been communicating has just been through text message, right? And then yes. we made that phone call. I don't know. Maybe it was an hour before now. And it was a short phone call. So I didn't really realize the, the, the magnitude of this incredible voice. So, I just needed to point that out first and foremost because I, I I suppose you get that quite a bit, like you said. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It, it's it's just uh, you know it's funny. A uh, uh, person that used to li live with me here, Ken Hill, was the big uh, tobacco magnet uh, and passed away. It'll be a year on Tuesday. Uh, he God bless his soul. Go, he goes, the voice. He says, we can go anywhere. And as soon as you come in and you start talking, everybody's like, oh, there's Bully. Bully's in the house. You know, <laughs> and, and I did a sports show over here. We have a radio, uh, uh, 90, uh, 93.9, and uh, you know what, Jacasa. And uh, you know what, I, I did sports for a while, and everybody said, you know, you should do, like, late-night love show or something. <laughs> you got a little bit of Barry White. You got a little bit the of that. love boat. Yeah, you know, that could be the theme song to your show, buddy. Yeah, and you know what? And it's funny because I've always been one of those guys. Like I've gone along with everybody that I play with. I, I I never had enemies, and you know I was a smart guy in my early in my career. I learned, Sean, as you know. I said I learned to be best friends with the tough guys. There <laughs> and you that's go. The smartest thing I ever made 
you know, I, I grew up when uh, when I started, Marty McSorley just broke into that. Marty doesn't live too far from here, but he's in L.A. all the time. But, you know, when I went to uh, Calgary, I always hung out with Shane Churla, you know, all the tough guys and went to Philly. Greg Berube and I are really best of friends. And, you know, it's just it's just the way it is. You know, Kevin McClellan, good friends. And, and you know, because they're real people. They're not phonies. They know what they have to do for a living and they go out and do it. And, and that's why I always respected those guys. And we had the best time. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll second to that, Mike. And, and, and what I'll say is, I mean, I tried my best to be an NHL tough guy. I was, I'm, I can be labeled as an AHL tough guy. And I'm very proud of that. I got my sniff. I got yeah. to see what it was like. And I enjoyed my time overall at all the leagues that I played in, right? So for me, it's not just about, because the majority of the guests on my team, Mike, are usually tough guys, right? And, you know, and I don't just do that because that's what I try to be. I do that because they are the biggest characters, dude. You're absolutely right. When I was, I remember the time I got traded in Calgary and uh, I got traded with Craig Cox. And it was the funniest thing. I said, Coxie. We just got traded to St. Louis. He goes, F you. There's no way they trade us. I said, well, we got traded for Gilmore, so we're going. And he goes, I don't believe you. I said, well, call call Cliff Fletcher, and he'll tell you. So it was the funniest thing. Coxie and I, we just laughed. We went to St. Louis, but it was hilarious, you know. And, and because people don't realize that when I was in Philly, uh, we had legitimate, I, I would say, the one year I played there, 10 tough guys. You know, we had Jay Wells. We had uh, Jeff Kick, Chick, Chickering. We had Terry Carter. We had, oh, I mean, uh, you name it. We had uh, we had Dave Brown. I mean, Craig Groovy, Rick Talkin. Jeez. I mean, like we had all like legit. I mean, it was harder to practice. People don't realize it was harder to practice against tough guys than it is to play against them. Oh yeah. And 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 people don't realize. They say, "Why is that?" I said, "Because." Because they get they out there. Play more. <laughs> they want to play more. And I said, you know, I remember one time, a good story, Sean, is I, I brought my, my brother had a couple of buddies and, and uh, you know, we were, they were with me in Philly and they came down and they wanted to go on the ice after. And they said, oh, you know, that guy's no good. And, that. and I said, go on the ice and watch these kids, these guys, even though they're tough guys, watch how skilled they are. And they went on the ice and they were with, uh, you know, Dave Brown and those guys. And then they came out after he goes, oh, my God. These guys are really good players. I said, you would not be in the NHL if you're not a good player. Just because you're a tough guy, you still had to have skill to get there. You oh, yeah. All the – all the and, and, Mike, not to cut you off, but, like, all, like I'm just trying to give an extra big shout-out to what you're saying. All the tough guys in the NHL were extremely good players in junior. Oh, you know what I mean? You got guys that scored 40, 50 goals that they, did, oh. they just had to become tough guys. It's the only way they could play at that level. Oh, hundred percent, and that's why you you know you get to respect them so much more, right? And mm-hmm. and, and I love about it is is that you know they're true people; they're not phonies. You you know you know it, Sean, in, in any kind of sporting word and anything. There's always phonies, you know. Some guys think they're better than others, and I said me, I knew for a fact that if I'm best friends with all the tough guys on the team, and we're we're like best friends, if something happens on the ice, I know they got my back. And, and you know what? The biggest thing people don't realize, you're not going to be successful if you don't have someone getting your back. And that's, oh, yes. that's the biggest thing. And, and, you know, and I knew like anyone came near me and it was like, 
you do that again, it's over for you. And, and you know well, what? That's the best feeling you could ever have. Yeah, and I, I second to that, Mike. And the thing is, Mike, is when a player is most comfortable, right? So I, I get into this with a lot of my guests. Like, here, here we go. We've got Mike Bullard. Now, this is a guy that potentially could be a point-per-game guy. This can be our guy. Let's make him comfortable. You can play and not have to really worry about someone going out of their way to give you a cheap shot because Dave Brown and the boys got your back. You have that peace of mind. And sometimes oh. that alone can go a long way. You know, it's a good thing. When I was in Calgary and uh, Joey Mullen and I, our, our left winger was uh, Stu Gripson his first year. Wow, and, the Grim Reaper. And uh, it was funny. And uh, Cliff said to Stu, he says, I don't care if you even touch the puck or see what's going on in the puck, but no one goes near these two guys in training camp. <laughs> we had to go up to Stu one day and say, Stu, you can't fight everybody. We're trying to get in shape here. You're bl they're blowing the whistle too much. <laughs> yeah, they, they won't even they won't even let us work for it. They're just giving us the puck because they're afraid <laughs> that you're going to take their heads off. Respect them, right? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Now, I want to now, – now, now, this is what I wanted to get into now, Mike. I wanted to get – because I love to hear, and I know the listeners love it too, like to hear about the beginnings of my big character guest, buddy. You're a big character guest. I want to talk about Ottawa, Ontario a little bit here, my friend. I want to talk about Ottawa. I want to talk about your family, your parents, your siblings. Yes. So, uh, you know what? Uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I, I have uh, my mom and dad and I have two older brothers and older sister. My dad's passed away uh, five years ago at 84. And I lost God both bless his soul. And I've lost both my brothers with a sickness at 55. And I, my sister's a year older than me is alive. And my mom's 88. And man, she's a trooper. She still goes. She gets along. She's out every day. She's she still talks every day to me, calls me about hockey, still thinks I should be playing, and, and it's <laughs> absolutely hilarious. And, uh, you know, Where is she, Mike? Where is she? In Ottawa. And, uh, and it's funny because I was always a little guy growing up, and uh, you know, people used to say, oh, he's just going to score, he's just going to lead all the high school and all the junior B and that in scoring. And, you know, my dad had to listen to it for a long time, and the year of my last year midget, I scored 240 points. And, yeah. and it was funny. Uh, they uh, they said to me, they goes, I was uh, rated 85th in the Central Scouting. And uh, that, uh, that year of the draft, it was in uh, Oshawa. And uh, my dad went to the draft and he says, you're not allowed to come to the draft. I said, well, dad, why can't I come to draft? He said, well, you're, you know, I can't tell you, but you're going first round. I said, what do you mean I'm going first round? I'm rated 85th. He goes, no. Bradford, which was the Hamilton Fin Cups, are taking your eighth pick. So they wow. can't bring it to the draft. So I, I went there, and, and, and I get picked eighth, and Windsor goes right down to Bradford's table. He goes, I can't believe you drafted him. We were taking him ninth pick. How did you guys know? And, and it was funny. And, and, you know, I just thought no one really cared about us. And, uh, I went to Brantford. It was Dave Draper and uh, and Bud Mountain, and uh, they said, "Listen, you're going to be a big player." And uh, we believe in. And our second pick was Kevin Lavalley that year, who was 165th. And everybody laughed at uh, Brantford's drafts. And I, I ended up with uh, 99 points my first year junior. And 
I kind of told all critics that, you know what, this kid can play. I, I had one problem, and uh, you know, I uh, I don't know if I should get into it. Is is uh, I was a partier, and uh, you know, I was a big partier. Like everyone was. Yeah, so, I was a partier, and uh, I, I'm 27 years sober. And, uh, you know, congratulations. It, yes. It was kind of, uh, you know, everybody telling you, I had, I went over to Europe and I was burning it all up in Europe, but you know, you, you start losing respect from everybody saying, Oh, you know, and it was in the NHL when I finally got blackballed by uh, Toronto saying, Oh, this guy can play. He can play like he's Wayne Gretzky, but he can party like he's three great Wayne Gretzky's. And, uh, you know, and it's just one of those things. I went over to Europe enjoyed myself for the first couple of years. And I remember my daughter was five years old and she called me a drunk. And uh, right there, I just said to my daughter, I said, I'll never touch a drop of alcohol ever again the rest of my life. And I've stuck to that day. I'm 27 years now into it. So congratulations, yeah. my friend. But she got married a couple of years ago. And that's the first thing she said at her, at her wedding. And, uh, you know, I you. made my day there. Yeah, man, that that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Mike, because that's that's really, really important. And the thing is, Mike, is like this is this is a hockey podcast, right? I get all these hockey guys on here, right? But what's mostly important is the fact that I have a platform now where I can talk about things that I think are important, things that I think are for the better good. And you saying, okay, so let's let's say this again. Did you say 20 years or 27 years? 27 years sober. Mike, that's what I want to talk about, right? So that that's incredible. Congratulations, my friend. Oh, you know, Sean, people don't realize that the lifestyle that we live, you know, you know, I I I run a junior program. Uh, here and we've been very successful for about 12 years and and you know i can teach kids exactly what you know the biggest thing i learned from parents is everybody thinks they're going to make it and yeah. and i try to tell everybody i said you know that if i told you guys the honest truth that <laughs> i played with kids my age that we thought maybe 40 percent of those guys are going to play in the nhl and you know yeah. that I was the only one in that age group besides yeah. Elaine Vigneault. Elaine Vigneault and I played minor hockey together. Yeah. Uh, were the ones that made it. I said, yeah. it's just, guys, that just, you don't understand, you know, being in the Toronto area where they'll pay huge money for these kids at young ages with personal trainers. And, you know, I try to tell everybody, you know, who my personal trainer was my dad. He said, get your ass out of the house and go do something. Yeah. I'll oh, see yeah. you at dinner time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man. For sure. No, but that's that's but see, that's what this generation is missing though, Mike, because there wasn't any cell phones, buddy, when your dad was saying that. There wasn't any PS2s. <laughs> I don't know how old you were when Atari and Nintendo were around, but I mean my point is is that we weren't we weren't looking at devices when we were kids. You know, it was funny. I think we had my first device. We had the Intellivision when I played my first year pro in Pittsburgh. And uh, Dougie Shedden, Steve Gatzos, Patty Graham, and Mitch Lamoureux and Randy Boyd. We all lived in the same house. And next wow. door was two uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. They lived next door. They were at our house every day playing that stupid Intellivision. We would play it like it was the game was off the board, off the table. We were playing it in the air and everything. It was 
that's the only time we ever really, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. No, I hear you. I, 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 I just thought it was pretty cool that the Pittsburgh Steelers were coming over to your house. I became really good friends with, uh, well, it was funny in Pittsburgh because I ended up being captain and, you know, you're always front and center and, uh, uh, you know, for a lot of things. And, I, you know, yeah. I became friends with uh, in the baseball uh, with Kent DeColby. So I used to go to a lot of games and go and try to hit batting practice. And they, they'd laugh at me when I'd be out there trying to field balls at shortstop and lose them in the stands and couldn't hit a ball worth of anything. And, and then, and, but we became really good friends with a lot of the Steelers. Uh, you know, uh, Gary Dunn, who was the nose tackle back then, Jack Lambert were really good friends. And, you know, they'd come to our games, we'd go to their games. And, you know, that's the way sports should be, right? Yeah, no, 100%. I'm loving this. And the reason is, Mike, is because, I mean, I'm pretty sure the listeners are aware of this, but for the for those that aren't, the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of the most historical franchises in NFL history. They're like the Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal, New York Rangers of the NFL. Pittsburgh and Dallas, in my mind, are the two biggest franchises, right? Oh, Harrison. Right? Terry Patchaw. Yeah, man. They were, and they were the and hey, man. And I talked to Randy Cunnyworth about Pittsburgh, Mike. I well, talked to him Randy about Pittsburgh. I, I know you are, and I can't wait to talk to you about Randy because he was my favorite coach of all time. He coached me for four straight years yeah. in Rochester, man. Yeah. But listen, he told me about the pride of that city, man. He told me about the black and yellow, black and yellow. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a hip-hop song, Mike, but you guys have some true pride with that black and yellow in Pittsburgh. And Cunny told me all about it, and he said it's with all the sports teams, and he couldn't get over the passion that that city has for their, for their teams, and it's because of how historical they are, buddy. Do you, you agree? Know, it was funny. Black and gold became so powerful. Because uh, at the time, the Pirates were, they were big on We Are Family. They were winning the major, they were winning uh, the World Series. And then Pittsburgh winning the Super Bowl. That the Penguins were dark blue and light blue. And, you know, they were getting a lot of pressure. When finally, they in 81, we moved to the black and gold. Because it just had to be a city of black and gold. Because, and if you think, Pittsburgh's, a, Hamilton's a mini Pittsburgh. It's a steel town. And what is what is Hamilton? They're black and gold. It, it's yeah. just, it, it associates with steel workers. You know, it's black and blue. Everybody comes to play. Put your hard hat on. Put your boots on. Let's go. And that's yeah. you know that's the that's you know the the Steelers were also known as back then as probably the best defenses that had ever come around with me, Joe Green and Jack Lambert. I mean, oh, they were mean so, Joe Green. Yeah, like you, you know, you're famous. When they would do Coke commercials after you. Yeah. That's, that's how, I mean, you know, I can remember that commercial like it was done yesterday where he throws the jersey at the kid, you know. In, I mean, in, in, the, in the tunnel of the, of yes. the stadium? Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, uh, and then the, the Pirates made uh, We Are Family, the Pointer Sisters, the biggest song in the 80s. Yeah. Because they were winning Super Bowls, and that's every song. It's like going to the Red Sox game and they play that that one there all the time from uh what's his name there i can't think of what it's called but well we'll definitely think of it here's a quick question so your tenure in pittsburgh the steelers won a super bowl at that time uh yeah they won it just the early i think it was against dallas 
No way. So, so, so you were buddies with players the year that they won the Super Bowl, yeah. or you hadn't met them yet? Yeah. I, I, I became good. You know what it is? Because back then, shot is there was a bar in Pittsburgh called Froggies. Froggies. Froggy. Froggies used to. It, he used to talk like me, and that's what everybody liked. <laughs> Froggy too. And Froggy was one of those places where if you asked for a. A vodka soda, you got a triple vodka and a soda. <laughs> and, but that's so that's oh. where all the sports guys went. Because let's be honest, the women show up where the sports guys are. And, and you know, that was the place in Pittsburgh. So we'd always go there. Next thing you know, if one sport guy from another team come in, they see a bunch of people at one table, and they go, oh, Who's that? And then they go, Oh, then they, you'd meet each other. So, and I'm one of those guys. If I recognize a guy from the Steelers, I'll go up and introduce myself. You know what I mean? That's that's just the way I am because I'm a true I'm a true fan of sports. So I, I don't care who you are, but I'll I'll go and introduce myself. If I know who you are, man, I don't care who you are. I'll go right up and say, Hey, listen, like I, I it happened to me one time and and uh you know Patrick Roy and my brother had was diagnosed with cancer and everybody was signing uh, hockey cards and and I sent hockey cards over to Montreal Canadian dress room and Patrick Roy wouldn't sign it. And I was really pissed off, you know, like I said, who do you think is we have like an oath, like when you all, when you played, you take care of the guys that play. I mean, we're not doing, we're not getting autographs to make money. So we're doing favors for people and it might get us somewhere in the world. And I was mad and Patrick had heard about it. And Patrick uh, called me and said, boy, I I apologize. Uh, I would have signed it, but I have a deal with the card company and I can't sign that card. And I said, you know what? So there was a reason. I respect that. I, I yeah. said that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Stuff like that people don't realize because we have an oath. <laughs> you know, my dad taught me at a young age. He said, You treat the people going up the mountain the way you want to come down the mountain. And if you treat them like crap, expect to get crap treated on the way down. And you're going to need those people on the way down the mountain. And, you know, my dad always told me one time, he said, if I ever see you walk away from an autograph, he said, I'd literally go up to you and punch you right in the face. So my dad said to me. So, that's, you know, you live really with that stuff because people don't realize we were those kids that one day too. I mean, I would run a hundred miles to get an autograph of Bobby or if I saw him. Oh. <laughs> I yeah. even asked, I tell you the best story ever is playing Pittsburgh and I was a Boston Bruin fan. We go into Boston Gardens preseason and Bobby Orr was my idol, but he had stopped playing. And Terry O'Reilly was my idol. So after the game, I said, Terry, can I have your stick? He sent it over to the room, autographed. By the time we got to Pittsburgh, in my stall, <laughs> my stick was cut in about 25 pieces. The boys made it into a little jigsaw puzzle because I was okay. a rookie. Because yeah. I was a rookie. You know, yeah. and I, I had to pay my rookie due. He said, "You can't ask a guy for his autograph." I said, "Guys, he's my idol." Yeah, you know. You know. See, yeah, Mike, <laughs> it's different for some of us, man. I'm just like you. I'm a big fan too, man. I'm a big fan too, and you know, for us, it's like it never stops, right? So even when we played, even now that we're done playing. We still look at, we're still starstruck, man. We're still fans of the game. Some guys didn't really get it. And and, and that's not your fault, buddy. But yeah. there is, it's also a level of rookie hazing, like you said. So, right? Well, so now, 
Yeah, go ahead, Mike. It's a little different back then than it is. I now. know. Oh, I know. We don't make that kind of money as a rookie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Now, I, I, one thing that I wanted to bring up, Mike, is I like I heard what you were saying about you know no matter who it was, you would go up and introduce yourself. You're a humble guy. You know what I mean? Humility was was practiced at an early age for you. And I want to talk about your first year that you actually got a shot with the team, right? With with Pittsburgh. Now, I want the listeners to understand that brother, the two seasons that you put in before like like before the draft. So you get to Brentford and like you said, you had the 99 point season. The hundred point season, man, as a rookie, right? For Brantford. You come back and you say, you know what? I think I'm gonna give 150 points this year when I come back. Right? Now, yeah. you know, you get drafted in the first round, ninth overall, because you earned that. You put up huge numbers in junior, right? That, that can't be ignored. No. You get drafted top 10, ninth overall. Pittsburgh Penguins, okay? So th- these are these are amongst the guys like like Rick Co- like uh, Kehoe, Randy Carlisle. Those are yeah. the guys that are there that first year, right? So now listen, they I, now I'm assuming these 15 games were in the beginning of the season, right, Mike? Did you yeah. start the year? Okay, no, so no, you start the year. I got called up uh, about a quarter. Okay, I got called up for two games and ended up staying there for 15. Okay, so you get so you get called up. You're 18 years old. You're going from man. I don't. I know the guys right now are making 60 bucks a week. I, I couldn't imagine what you guys were making back in those days. But you go back from that t- from that type of money. Now you're playing in the NHL, man. You're playing in the show as an 18 year old. You stay up there. How many months was that, Mike? What two and a half? You know what? I was there for a month and a half. Uh... Okay. And I come back with fifteen thousand cash in my sock. In your sock. In my okay. Sock. What it. year is this, Mike? What year is this? Nineteen eighty-one. Nineteen eighty-one. Fifteen yep. grand in your sock. Eighteen so, years old. So I it got it in my sock, and it was funny because I came back, and Pittsburgh said, "We know we want you to learn defense because you know you're you can score. We know that, but you're you're no good in your own end." So I came back and I changed my style. It was the funniest story ever. We're four games back in Brantford. And Dave Draper comes up to me. He goes, what the F are you doing? I said, what do you mean? Why are you not trying to score? What's going on here? I said, well, Pittsburgh wanted me to play more defense. He says, I don't give a rat's ass what Pittsburgh says. I'll get you traded to another NHL team. Light it up. So I came back, and I think in 43 games that year, I ended up with 107 points. And, yes. And, uh, and, and, I mean, it, by me staying up for six weeks in Pittsburgh, it, it cost me the, the scoring. There's no question. Uh, but you know what? And it was funny because it came down to the trade that year at the deadline, and Dave Draper, out of respect to me, said, Bully, listen, uh, Sault Ste. Marie wants you to uh, go up there for the – for the Memorial Cup. And I said, you know what, Dave, I want to finish my career in Brantford. This is where I started. And I said, I know for a fact that if we get beat out, I'm going to the playoffs in Pittsburgh, going up to Pittsburgh. So it was funny. I, we got beat out. I go to Pittsburgh. and We, we were playing uh, St. Louis that year. 
St. Louis that year. And uh, uh, first game I watched from the stands. And then all of a sudden we lost. And the fans started chanting, put me in, you know. And I was like, guys, you haven't even seen me in like three or four months. So the next game I, I went in and I, I ended up having a really good playoff. And the fan, I became a fan favorite. Like it was just electrifying at, at a young age. And so when I came back to camp the next year, I mean, they had already said like, this kid's going to be our guy. Uh, you know what? And it, it's funny, my first year pro, I mean, I was telling guys and they still don't believe it. I scored 37 goals and uh, yeah. I never got one vote for rookie of the year. Really? And they said, what? I said, no, I never got a vote. I said, and I said, if you look back at all the video, Eddie Johnson never played me in the third period. He always never played me. He just, he always said I was a defensive liability. Don Cherry once told me, he says, who cares? I don't want you in the defensive zone. Just go out and score goals. He says, I'll put people back there to score. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and back then, if you remember watching me around, the guy had a really big blade hockey stick. And I was on Hockey Night in Canada one time, and Don Cherry, he just loved me. And he, he said, Bully, we, you got to bring your stick on. And he said, listen, people, it's snowing out there. Bully sticks are on sale right now if you need a shovel for your driveway. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, little things that you remember that were just awesome, you know. Yeah, man, 100%. Any more great stories, man? He's, he's uh, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, he's you know, he's been a guest on the show, Mike. Did you know that? You know, uh, I love the man. And, and you know what? Uh, I, I played. I had the pleasure of playing with Lanny McDonald and was his roommate. Lanny McDonald. Yes. And my first autograph, Mike. Yeah. And and Lanny, Lanny used to tell us stories about Don Cherry. You know, like uh, when the game was over, there was a couple of cases of beer in the bus. You know, today now they get a couple of cases of Gatorade and maybe three protein bars, and a, you know, <laughs> everybody has their own computer. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and he would tell us stories about Don Cherry and, and we, we used to just howl all the time. And, and I got a chance, uh, Stan Jonathan lives on Six Nations, so I, I'm good friends with Stan. And, okay. uh, you know, and I, uh, Stan was getting honored in the First Nations from our uh, Dreamcatcher Foundation. And uh, I called Don Cherry up and I said, Don, I said, listen, can you be the guest speaker at our Dreamcatcher Gala? He says, yeah. I said, well, you know what? They'll give me 25 grand. He goes, bully, I'm going to tell you something about me. First of all, because it's for Stan, I'm going to do it for free. Give my 25,000 to the kids. That's Don Cherry. You know what? That's fantastic. You know what? He, he's just that kind of person. And uh, you know what? you got to respect him. And the stuff that went on that happened in that, I mean, that's just the, the, today's culture is just a different world and you know it, it's not even worth getting in with anybody on it because he, you can't say the wrong word anymore in today's world no i i hear you mike and 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 the thing is is that you know i i played for don and junior you know i i was on the, that mississauga ice dogs team with jason spezza and um you know 
he treated me extremely well, went out of his way to make me feel comfortable, went out of his way to, to make me feel, you know, humbled and, and grateful to be playing. Even when I got traded away from them, he came yeah. in and had a talk with me. And he's always been one of my favorites, man. Oh. He played in Rochester. I played in Rochester, you know, like, like we have a lot in common. And I had him on the show, man. And, and, we, and we talked about that. And, and you know, it, it was clearly said that, you know, things were taken out of context and it's the people, it's the people that, that look like me that mostly took it out of context. And I explained to Don that, you know, people just need to understand that, you know, they took it the wrong way. And if anybody was offended by it, that he's sorry, cause he didn't mean for it to hurt anyone's feelings. And we talked about that on the show. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, time heals, buddy. I'm hoping to, to get him back, that we see him back on TV he deserves to be on TV. Too many people miss him, and you know he made he made a slight a slight mistake, and and he's definitely sorry for hurt anyone's feelings. I'll tell you, my mom and dad religiously watched Hockey Night in Canada Saturday just to watch Coach's Corner. That's all they did. Just like everyone else in Canada, my mom loved Don Cherry because yeah. he wasn't scared to hold back anything, and that's the difference, right? Yeah, he's controversial, and that's why we love them, man. That's why we love him. Um, he's got a he's got a podcast that's still going pretty strong. Yeah. Don Cherry's Grapevine. Um, Tim Cherry, his son, produces it. Who yeah. I've become pretty pretty good buddies with since since I had done on the show. You know, we talk once in a while, and and I, I really appreciate that. And I wish them the best, man. Like I I think they're they're icons, and you know they should be celebrated and. And, you know, like, you know, history proves that, you know, it, like, like he, he definitely didn't get off the hook, right? So the guy, you know, he got punished. And, and I think that people will learn very soon to start accepting him again because he's a Canadian icon, man. So Big time. He's definitely an icon. You know <laughs> what? And, and what I love about Don Cherry is people don't realize he's all about charity. Yeah. He's all about the kids. So we... The natives have what they call a little NHL. And it's in Toronto every year. And because of the COVID the last couple of years, they've had to put a hold on it. And Don Cherry has showed up at that at the parade. He showed up at the dinner at the end of the, the tournament every year since it's been. And you know what? And, and it's just, he, he's good for, he's good for sports. People oh, he's really good. Play. He's really good for sports. Now, now, because we're on the topic, brother, um, before the recording, uh, you, you were telling me, you know, how you found out about, about the, the indigenous background. Did, do you mind getting into that now because we're, we're on that topic? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, my dad had told me one day, he says, you know, you're native. And I said, well, uh, you never said that. And he said, you know, he says, I'm going to tell you why. He said, because my grandma was born in, on, on Golden Lake, uh, just outside of Perth, Ontario, and she said, back then, we weren't recognized as people that wanted to, uh, you know, they, they didn't give us any respect. So my, you know, my yeah. dad, I, I never had to use that card or nothing. So, you know, he said, I just grew up being normal and never using it. And then he told me one day, and then, you know, now the problem is, is to go back in all the records and the names and changing of the names, he says, you know, it's almost impossible. You know what I mean? Like, so... But for me, you know what? My dad's mom, my dad's mom was half, and, and her mom was full. And oh yeah, yeah 
I, and I always said to my dad, I said, I wish you would have took it a lot more serious back then. He says, yeah, because it's today's society. It's big. I mean, even though I'm living in, on six nations, people are still giving me that opportunity to, uh, you know, I think a lot of people think I'm from here. That, and that's, that's the respect you can only hope for in all your life. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, when we, like, again, when we were corresponding earlier today, Mike, and we were kind of planning about, you know, when we were going to start the recording and, and so on and so forth. And I was like, hey, what city are you in? And, and you told me, now, now, I want you to help me with this pronunciation because I, I like to learn. Oswegan? Oswegan, Ontario, which is classified as, as Six Nations. So nice. if, you were to, if I was to tell you Six Nations, you would know where Six Nations is. So it's called, uh, it's between uh, Bramford and Caledonia, which is right beside Hamilton. So, you know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. just, a, we're, we're a, probably a reservation about 30,000 people. There's actually two reservations uh, on here. Uh, so it's Six Nations and, you know, and it just, uh, that's just, it's one of the bigger ones in Ontario. Yeah. And uh, the people that I, work for and have the hockey team uh, are the owners of the big tobacco company uh, GRE which is Grand River Enterprise and uh, what it is is uh, it's the number one it's the biggest First Nations uh, native company in the world uh, they do about two billion a year in revenue uh, gross sales and uh, you know it, it gives a lot of people jobs yeah uh, on the reservations and uh, on this reservation and uh, they're very successful. And the gentlemen, uh, the founders of the thing are Ken Hill and uh, Jerry Montour, who also uh, are the owners of our hockey team. Uh, and, and that was the biggest thing why they, they brought me, I met them in Europe because we have a company in Europe in Berlin and uh, they kept saying, bully, why don't you come back here and run our team in Ontario? And I, you know, my brother had cancer at the time and I said, yeah, you know, then I'll be closer to home. So I came back and, uh, you know, I've been running this team for almost 15 years now. And uh, it's, you know, it's been the best thing I've ever done. You got an opportunity. I brought Brandon Montour as a 15-year-old to this team. Really? Yeah. And uh, Brandon, uh, it was funny because Brandon, who's playing right now for Florida Panthers. Uh, yeah. He laughed because... Everybody said to me, he says, well, he's not a defense. He says, he's a forward. I said, no, he's a rover. They said, there's no such thing as a rover. I said, well, he's a rover because he can do whatever he wants because if he loses the puck, he can get back to the defense. He was, yeah. he was such a great, he was a, such a great skater. And it's funny because it's known in the native cultural that they're very shy people. Okay. And Brandon was a very shy kid. He would never look you in the eye. And as a 15-year-old, he was very shy. So this next, the next year when he played for me, I made him an assistant captain. And, and he came up to me and he says, Bully, what are you doing? You, you, you know, I make the guys call me Bully. I, I don't want to be coach or nothing. He says, call me Bully. I, I, you, you know, you, they got to trust you to talk to you, right? So, and uh, he says, I can't be an assistant coach. 
I said, well, you're going to learn to associate with players. And from there on in, that he just took it to another level. And, you know, if I got mad at him and I tried to skate him, he'd just laugh at me and skate all day long. He's one of those guys that could go to Ottawa and skate on the Rideau Canal for about 10 days straight. Really? So, yeah. So now this is the team. Now, is it is it the G-O-J-H-L? Yeah, uh, Golden Horseshoe Hockey League. Okay, and this is Caledonia Corvairs, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so now you've been the head coach since 2018? Uh, well, I've been the head coach right from the start. Uh, since uh, No, I've done it since, what, 2009. And uh, then I'd be, uh, I did it with a good friend of mine, Brian Rosetto, was the general manager. And uh, then he left, so I became coach, general manager, and president. <laughs> okay, I th- so okay. I, I do everything, and uh, you know, it's 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 just been it keeps me busy. But you know, if you can work with kids, it's the best feeling in the world. Yeah, man, and like I know that you must just love to be a mentor to these kids because you've been through everything, right? Yeah. You can give so much advice, Mike. Like that's such an advantage to have you as the coach. Sean, you know where the biggest thing is, I, I, I think, is is the office. You know, yeah. uh, the, these kids don't realize that, you know, there's so many different kind of drugs in today's world, you know, that can destroy a person. And, and you know, and the availability is just anybody has it. So, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I've been through it all. I've seen it all. And, and you know what? If you can teach them that, you know, uh, we own a we own a big pro fit hit fitness club that's like 30,000 square feet. And, you know, I make sure that my players are there all the time because in our era, no one knew where the gym was. <laughs> you know, as long as you had a, a, a bike and uh, yeah. you know, stationary bike. I mean, yeah, it's rod back then. And, uh, and and now we're learning that those are actually bad for us. <laughs> Hey, Mike. Yeah, Imagine and, that. I, I, I remember when they remember the super slide where they had you slide back and forth. Yeah. That's the biggest thing until Marcel Dion wrecked his knee and then they were no good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, man. Yeah, but it's all fitness now. Like, Sean, it's yeah. scary and it's the way you eat. And, you know, I, I have 10 kids that bill it because we're such a small town and, and to get players from around here and, and, you know, I, I pay $550 a, a month for billets. And, it, you know, I know the bill is still saying to me, says, well, that's not enough. These kids eat like that in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. these kids eat like it's crazy. So now where, where exactly are most of the land parents, the billets? Are they spread all over or are they in one kind of area? It's just a small town. Uh, Caledonia is just a small town and it's, it's probably a town of... 20,000 people, 15,000 people. And, you know, and, and I love that because, you know, I want my players to come in and I want them hanging out with each other. You know, we, we have the ability to give the kids a job. You know, we own a really? golf course, we own a golf course, uh, a big golf course. And, uh, oh, you know, awesome. we, our owners own like 12, 15 businesses. So on the res, so all my kids that I have a rule, if you don't go to school, you're going to work at eight 30 in the morning. Yeah. Uh, no one sits in bed all day. It's just, uh, we grew up not doing it. So you're not doing it. Right on. So, and I'm sure the parents are happy to know that that's the, the program in Caledonia. 
and, and, and that's the biggest thing. If you ask any parent, it's like, I don't want my kids, you know, especially if the kids come and he's played a couple of years in the OHL and he comes down to play with us, you know, yeah. he, and his kids just coming over here. And I told my kids, I don't want you to come over here just to party because I got young kids on the team that don't need to see all that. And, you know, I, but I want you, I, I'm one of those coaches that, uh, you know what, when I talk about pregame stuff, I, I tell them stories. I, I don't tell them about X's and O's. I said, you know what? I, I said, guys, I took a I took a lesson from Bob Johnson, who's best coach I ever had when I was in Calgary. And uh, our rug, uh, our our whole floor in the dressing room in Caledonia is a rink, and that's where I do all my teaching is on the rink and the floor. No such thing as those boards on the wall and that. I said, guys, you're like me. No one looks. <laughs> We don't so, listen. So, but are you are you re- actually writing stuff on the ice, or you mean you're actually oh, showing I, 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 demonstration? Pucks, stick. I, I, okay. I walk through with pucks. I, I yep. put the guys numbers on the pucks. Same yeah. thing Badger Bob done. And, and you know what? I'll call guys up and said, "Show us what we're doing." You know, and they right have to run twenty-two guys. No one's sleeping. Yeah. So you got to be on your toes. You know what I used to say, Mike? If I wasn't sure about a drill. And I was like, kind of like one of the first two guys. You know what I would say? What? Don't know, don't go. And I'd have to slide a little bit to the back of the line, yeah. buddy, to see it a couple of times. Because I, mean, I wasn't going to be a drill buster. I told the guys too. I said, yeah, when I used to be hungover or something on the ice, we had to practice. I said, guys, I was the hide and seek champ of the world. Watch me. But I said, baby, I'm going right to the back of the line. And you know, I said I was the best guy at when they'd skate you and I would show faces like like, I, like I'm going 100 miles an hour but I'm actually just going about one mile an hour <laughs> you know I mean I I, I could have won, won a lot of academy awards fooling coaches and certain things and and you know it, that helps you as a coach because I always tell my guys I said I've seen it all and you know a couple of times I want to get back to the old days and I'll take I'll try some stuff in that on the ice and that and so one day, a couple of years ago, I said, I'm going to play three on three. I'm going to put the equipment on. I came out. I made a great move. Pop, pop my hernia. And I said, yeah, that was a good 30-second shift. So I, I, a good friend of mine is Dr. Uh, Tony Galea in Toronto. He's like the top sports doctor in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. And so I walk into Tony's office. He goes, what'd you do now, bully? I said, I thought I was going to the show again. He says, do you take advice? I said, yes. He says, the dream is over. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking, Mike, speaking of the dream. Okay. There's, there's a couple seasons that I got to ask you about, man, because I'm a stat guy myself. I appreciate the numbers, man. The first season that I need to ask you about is the 83, 84. So this is a year where you put up 50 goals in the National Hockey League, okay? Very big milestone. Tell me about that year, man. So this was 83-84. We had 92 points. We, we had the 92 points in 76 games, which included 51 goals, brother. Who were your wingers that year? I, I, I tell you right now, that is like a pop quiz of all time. Really? My two wingers were Andy Brickley and Mark Taylor. And wow. everybody would say, who? I said, we made a trade with Philadelphia. Yeah. And uh, 
those were my wingers, and, and it was funny because uh, Lou Angotti was our coach, and uh, the next guy in our team that's scoring had 51 points, and that, that, that was uh, Doug Shedden. And, really? Uh, that, that was the year that we were the worst team in the NHL. So you had and 92, and, and Shen had 51? Points, yeah. He was second. Really? Yeah, so... And, and it's funny because that's the year that I we got a controversy because that's came down to the last game of the year to see who was going to get Mario Lemieux. For the draft. Yeah. And a couple of guys, they, they did a thing on TSN, and then they called me, and I said, for sure we tanked. I said, they didn't play me in the third period. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, I remember Bob Johnson, uh, uh, Eddie Johnson coming in the room and saying, it's a little late to be a team, boys. We need Mario Lemieux. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I know a couple of guys said, oh, no, we didn't tank. For sure we tanked. I never played in the third period. And it was funny. We were in L.A. the year. I, the, 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 the time I scored my 50th goal, we're in L.A. And I scored my 50th goal. And I'm jumping up and down and going crazy and going nuts. And I can see everybody in L.A. going, what's this guy doing? They're the worst team in the NHL. <laughs> I don't think anybody realized I scored 50 goals. <laughs> Man, it's it's a huge milestone. And, huge. And I tell you, it's a bad hockey team, but you know what? I, I to this day I always think Bricks is still doing uh, color for the Boston Bruins, and, and uh, Mark Taylor's out in Vancouver. Uh, he, he's a relative of Cyclone Taylor, Mark. That was his great great grandfather. So wow, you know, it was just one of those things. That the three of us we used to laugh because everybody says. Who are these guys? I said, guys, you would not believe it. It was just one of those things. And, and, and you know, it's funny because then my, well, that, that was the year of my 83, 84. We ended up getting Mario and it changed the whole organization. It sure did. Cause you know, super Mario came. What he was um, now when, when, when Crosby came to Pittsburgh, I know that he lived with Mario. Was there anything Kind of similar to that when Mario first came to Pittsburgh? Yes. So after when we all lived together, I think Pittsburgh said, there's no way we're going to ever have these guys live together again. <laughs> because this was a war. Like, put five guys in one house, it's not going to happen. And uh, we had so many parties and so much good times. And, and then when Mario came, they put Mario with one of the head guys from Heinz. Because uh, Heinz is out of Pittsburgh, and uh, he he uh, he took Mario under his wing, and uh, you know it was the best thing that ever happened to Mario. You know it kept him away from all the crap. Heinz was from the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah, that, he was one of the head of Heinz. Oh, you're talking about the company Heinz. Yeah, Heinz. Yeah. Okay, right on. Yeah. So and he took Mario, and he Mario lived at his place, and you know so you know they the biggest thing back then was. We didn't eat good. We ate whatever we felt like eating. We ate out every night. And, uh, you know, when Mario moved in with a family, now you're being treated like you are in junior. You're getting, you're, you're getting your meals. You're getting everything. You're not out partying. And when Mario first came to us, it was kind of a, an honor thing that we got to take care of him. You, you, this guy cannot be involved in any crap because he's yeah. the friend. You got to protect him. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly what had happened. Yeah. But I got a great story how I 
the year I scored 100 points was even a better line, though. That was my next season that I wanted to ask you about. So before you get into it, so this is 87-88, the famous Calgary Flames. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is at a time, and I, I'm going to ask you, Mike, if you agree, the Calgary Flames, who eventually win the Stanley Cup, they're one of the best teams in hockey like the Oilers had their teams, but the Flames had theirs too, right, Mike? Yeah, the, the best two teams in the NHL were the the Flames and the Oilers. Yeah, they're two teams. Like, yes. So let's not. talk about this hundred point season. And sorry, Mike, one more halt. I did a little bit of research. As of buddy, as of two thousand eighteen, there is only one hundred and nine players to have a hundred point NHL season, and you, my friend, are one of those players. Please continue. So it was funny because we were a good team in, in, in Calgary. And, uh, uh, we, the year before, we, Badger Bob had set our team up to be a very good team. And then okay. he, had, he had left and he went to uh, Pittsburgh. But uh, it was funny. Terry Chris took over the team. And uh, Terry Chris hated me and Brad Hall. He, he just hated us because. This is the head coach? Yeah, Terry Crisp, and and he okay. hated us because Brad Hall and I. We one thing about the two of us: if you say something to us, we're not scared to tell you. Really, you think that's what it is? Well, maybe I see the game different than you. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're, we're not coachable, and so it was funny. We we're we we're playing in Quebec uh, City early in the year, and uh, our team was struggling a little bit, so they decided to change the lines, and. Uh, the last three guys on the line were me, Brad Hall, and Johnny Tonelli. And so Doug Reisman, who was an assistant coach, said, well, put them together. What the F? What the F, he said. Put them together. Yeah. So they put us together. And from that day, Brad Hall, Johnny Tonelli, and I, we lit it up. Like, we lit it up. Like, we, there was no stopping us. Terry Chris would look at us and he'd shake his head and we just said, keep yelling at us, Chris. We'll just score three or four more goals. And, you know, back then, uh, we still had the best power play probably of all time. And it was because of one person. We had Al McGinnis. <laughs> and when Al McGinnis lifted a stick to take a slap shot, everybody in the building closed their eyes. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't hit me. Please don't hit me. <laughs> But, but, Mike, the part that I think is phenomenal about the Al McKinnis situation that we're talking about right now is the type of sticks that were used then and the type of sticks that are used now, my friend. Oh, Isn't yeah. it incredible? This man with a 100-mile-per-hour shot with a wooden a stick? Wood, a piece of wood. I, wow. I, I told the guys what I used back then. I used a Chimo. Yeah, what it, did you use? Chimo. It, Chimo. Yeah, yeah. Chimo. Yeah, and uh, you know what? <laughs> it was funny. And, 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 <laughs> How much would it have been worth, the stick, well, in the stores, was, compared to the $500 twigs that they got now? Oh, the one. Uh, I think you paid like $60, $70 if you're like yeah. yeah. So it was funny, you know, and, and then you got those sticks. And we're laughing. And, and, and then I went to Europe, and they, that's when they came out with the, where they could take the blade out. And you can put yeah. the blade in like a, a night, uh, one of those fiberglass things. Yeah. And I was like, holy God, can you ever zing the puck with these yeah. things? I said, man, I said, 
if Al McGinnis would have had what they had, the sticks now, he'd have hurt people. Oh, yeah. Because uh, these guys here, but, and it frustrates me because I get mad at my players because, John, no one wants to take slap shots anymore. We all grew up wanting to take the Bobby Hull. Everybody wanted to take the Bobby Hull clapper. Like, come on, man, I want to take a slap shot. And nowadays, you know, you see guys like Matthews, man, they, they, their wrist shots are, there's only one guy back then that could shoot a wrist shot like they do nowadays, and that was Rick McLeish. I mean, he could absolutely zing it. And, but now with the sticks they got, everybody takes wrist shots. You, you don't even take slap shots. And I used to get frustrated. My players say, guy, you're right in front of the goalie. Take his head off. Do something. <laughs> you know? But they don't do it anymore. Mike, what was uh, like, okay, so now I appreciate what you were saying there about the shots, the different shots. What about a guy like Dave Anderchuk? What was I, his shot? I, I grew up with Dave Anderchuk. The thing about Dave Anderchuk was he was considered a, a moose. You couldn't move him in front of the net. And, you know, the biggest thing back then was this guy's got hands. And Dave Anderchuk was one of those guys, uh, you know, a great example. Another guy like it was Craig Simpson. They, they'll pay the – they'll take the punishment, Dino Cicerelli. In front. the punishment in front yeah. of the net to score a goal. And Dave yeah. Anderchuk was one of those guys. Uh, one of the, he was one of the top power play guys of all time. I probably played with the best in Tim Kerr in Philadelphia. He was probably the best. He was getting 35 goals a year just on power play. And it's because they were big and strong and you couldn't move them. And they, yeah. didn't, they didn't care about getting mugged in front of the net. They didn't care about getting six stitches in, in their cheekbone or anything like that. You know, like nowadays you see it, Sean, and it's frustrating. I'm going to tell you, you touch a guy and he's dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, like soccer. Uh, I, like I, my, <laughs> we were taught. My old man always told me, he says, I don't care if you get laid out or not. You make sure you get up and try to you get You never lay back. there. Yeah. 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 He said, hey, don't ever let them think they got the best of you. <laughs> you know, and that's, it, it's just, you grow up by that. Nowadays, wow. I mean, I know they, they, they're faster, they're bigger, and, and that, but I mean, it's just like you can't touch anybody anymore. No, and it's crazy, but but let me add to this power play stuff that we were just talking about because it's funny that you brought up Brett Hall because when Alexander Ovechkin scored that power play goal last week, he broke a power play goals record, okay? So now Ovechkin's number one. Do you know who's number two all time? Dave Anderchuk. Yeah. Power play goals. Do you know who's number three? Oh. Brett Hall. Yeah, Brad Hall was there. Yeah. All anyway. time we're talking here, brother. All time. Steve Anderchuck, number two, all time. Power play goals. Yeah. He was a master. That's why I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You know what? And it's all about guys that are willing to, right? And he'd pay his dues. He yeah. made a living. You know, Gretzky had his office. Dave Anderchuk had his office. You know, I see Dave once in a while, too. He lives in Hamilton. Once in a while, he's back because he's out in Tampa Bay. But, I mean, you know what? People don't realize. Players back then, they had, a, some, they had to do something to make themselves noticeable. And, you know, I, I used to love Dino Cicerelli because everybody says, oh, Dino Cicerelli. He had some off-ice issues. But I'll tell you, not one person in the NHL would not have took that guy on his team, on your team. Oh, he's great. Guy. He was a great player. 
oh, like scary, not but scary. Oh you know? yeah, and that's what you love. And uh, you know, I, I always tell everybody, I you know, who's that? I love playing with Wendell Clark in Toronto, right? Because oh, Wendell, yeah. Wendell's a guy's guy. Like he's the guy's guy. Like well, you guys had the same mustache. Yeah, Wendell. And I just, <laughs> hey? and, you guys uh, had I, the same stash, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I, I was a little smaller than Lanny because Lanny, you can tell what he ate for the last three weeks. <laughs> so, you know, and and, and it's funny, eh? The reason I uh, I uh, don't have a stash anymore. I was with my my buddy Ken Hill in in Vegas about five years ago, and I had a little. I got a little stoned. On a, they gave me a gummy and I got a little buzzed. And uh, I went to shave, trim it, and I accidentally shaved half of it off. <laughs> so, and I not realizing it, and I went, oh, I can't believe it. I said, there goes your trademark. So yeah, I shaved it off, and everybody kept saying, man, you look like you're 10 years younger. I said, no, I know, because I don't have to color it anymore. <laughs> right on, man. That Hey, man, sometimes it works out like that, Mike. But, 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 but man, like, you know, like the posters that we're using are like, you know, they're picks from like, you know, as far back as Pittsburgh, but like that we had the the Toronto year one year and you got the big stash going. It was, it was pretty cool. Magnum PI style, right? Yeah. Tom Selleck. Yeah, buddy. Tom Selleck, man. I couldn't wear the horse like he wore them because I couldn't get them over my legs. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, so listen, so the, the third season I want to ask you about, we're going to go back to Philly. Now, what's interesting about this season is that you start in St. Louis. So you start in St. Louis, you do well. You get traded to Philly, you do even better. But what I want to ask you about is the playoff run, bro. Tell me about the playoff run. How far did you guys go that year? You know, it, it was funny. You know, I, I, I'll start right from the start. I, I'm, in, I'm in St. Louis. We're in Washington. And uh, we have an afternoon game. I know a morning, we have a morning skate and the phone rings down at the dressing room and somebody yells, oh, someone's gone. Trainer, you got to come on the phone. Uh, And I said, what? He says, you got traded. I said, what do you mean I got traded? I said, my wife's ready to have a baby. She's eight months pregnant. I said, I "I can't get traded. And and they said, yeah, you got traded to Philly. And uh, so I go on they said call bobby clark so i call bobby clark and clark he says bully you're a flyer now i've been trying to get you for years i finally got you we need you to play tonight there's a limousine waiting for you at your hotel he's gonna drive you from washington to philly so i go there and i walk in the room and i look on the board and it says bullard centering their number one line prop and talking i'm like jeez Wow, did I win the lotto here or what? <laughs> you know, and uh, toughest coach I ever had in my life. Paul Holmgren, man, I loved him. He was tough. And, uh, you know, uh, we had such a good team. And I remember we played Pittsburgh that year. and We, we were the underdogs. and We played Pittsburgh in the playoffs. And no one gave us a chance. And, and, I, and Merrill scored eight points in the one game in that playoffs that year. So it got down to game seven in Philly. And I remember Homer coming in to practice. He said, guys, you go home now. We're going right from Pittsburgh to Montreal. 
and we're like, man, we got Pittsburgh game seven. When we went into Pittsburgh, Ron Hextall gets hurt that last game. Kenny Reagan has to go in. That's hasn't played in two months. Goes in there and we win the game like 10, seven or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like it was crazy. And, and, you know, I had, I gotten, I actually got in a fight that game. I fought Dave Hannon, who we played junior hockey and everything with together, good friends. And we ended up fighting. And so we, we win that. And so we have to go to Montreal and the next series was whoever wins that series goes to the Stanley cup against Calgary. And I was hoping we'd win because I, I started the year in Calgary and I would have ended up playing them in the Stanley cup. But yeah, that's the year that Ronnie Hexall went a little haywire on Chelios. Oh, you remember okay. when he chased out of the ice and, and yeah, does first game of that series, Chelios cheap shot at uh, Brian Prop and he got a concussion and we we lost him for the playoff series. So you know we were hurting as it is, and but you know what we ended up taking him to six games and, and lost, but you know they ended up losing to Calgary in the final anyway. But it would have been yeah. nice to get to the final there, man. That's the closest I ever got to the Stanley Cup. But yeah, and I had to ask you, man, because you had the 19 games played, did very well, almost at a point per game, right? And and you, you know what I mean? So, so you guys got to the conference finals. Yeah, it was, it was exciting. It was, what a ride. And we had a lot of injuries. And I'll tell you right now, and he's, he's on TSN right now. And I'll tell you. Who's he's this? One of, he's one of the best captains I've ever had was Dave Poulin. Oh, yeah? And uh, Dave Pullen was such a great captain, and he kept everybody together. And, and that Philadelphia organization is first class. You know, they, they we do a lot of stuff as teams. You know, all our, if we go on the road, everything's in meeting. You know, everything's with the team. You know, uh, that year in the playoffs, we had Joe Theismann come in and talk to us. Uh, you know, we had a comedian. I mean, we... They just do a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I give the coaching staff that year was uh, was uh, Paul Holmgren and the two assistants were uh, were uh, Andy Murray and uh, uh, Mike Eaves. And wow, they they just had it going on, man. They Andy Murray, I, who I became very good friends with, was an absolute student of the game of hockey. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny because all the names that we're mentioning now, I have their hockey cards, man. Because this was the era, no, but this is the era, like like the '90s, like that's when I collected hockey cards, man. And, and I had the pro set cards, the OPG. I had all of them, man, and, and I had all these people and these coaches. And I had Andy Murray's card, assistant coach. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool. So it's funny because. We used to love, when I was a kid, we loved the cards for the bubblegum. Yeah. That was it. I mean, you, oh, yeah. bubble, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's a trade, you know, like everybody wanted the normal guys all the time. Like I, I say some names and my players look at me and go, who? I said, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's different, but Mike, but what I'm saying is there's different levels to following sports, right? So for me as a kid, not only was I so obsessed with, wanting to buy the cards, but I would have the binders. I would have the plastic where there was three cards oh, yeah. in a row. Oh, yeah. and, and, and you know what I appreciated about it, Mike? It's a little weird, but I appreciated that fresh smell of the plastic, man. When I was going through that binder, 
Man, I had all the pro set, all, all of it, man. I had your card. I, I was all set, man. Do you know, my mom still does my cards to this day. Come on. I still get all the cards. Yeah. The yeah, like. Yeah. Know, oh, so people, like, people are sending cards to your mother's address asking you yes. to sign and send it's it back? Our family home address. And yes. They, yes. And she, when I go to Ottawa. Your permanent address. She's, she she gives me a stack of cards for me to sign. She's my secretary, she says. She's <laughs> and, and, and old. how old and how old is she now, Mike? Eighty eight. She's eighty eight years old. And she's in Ottawa, yeah. right? She, so and she just loves it. All she does is complain. <laughs> is is oh, she a Don and she's a Don Cherry fan? She's absolutely the best Don Cherry fan of all time. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I had to reiterate that. No, I'm a big grape supporter, man. So you'll, I'll, I'll find any excuse to bring him back up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so, hey, man. So, I, I, I wanted to get into th this is what I'm really curious about. Now, you're a man that played a lot of games in the National Hockey League, 727 to be exact. Yeah. So, now it's the end of your career. You decide to go to Switzerland. Okay. Now, I want to know about the decision process to go to Switzerland. Now, the fact that you did so well there, you end up back in the National Hockey League with my Toronto Maple Leafs. So I want to know what happened in those 12 months. So what happened was Philly and I were in a, uh, a contract problem. And, uh, you know, uh, a couple guys signed pretty good contracts that, you know, didn't get the, the point production I got, didn't get the ice time. And I wanted a raise, and, and they were playing nickel and dime in me. And uh, Brian Lefley from Switzerland uh, had called me and said, uh, listen, uh, we want you to come to Switzerland. And they offered me huge money. So I said, well, you know what? I was, I'm a very, very different man when it comes to, like, if you, if you piss me off to the point where, you know, you don't show me the respect that I think I deserve. I'll, I'll try something different. Uh, that's me. I, 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 it was a dumb move at the time. I should have just stuck it out and played. But you know what? I, I just felt like my, my, my brain said, "Don't be disrespected. To that. Show a little more respect to me than that, and don't show me like you're using me." And I went to, I went to Switzerland. It was funny, and man, I lit it up. Like it was yeah. crazy. Yeah, you sure did. 74 points or something like that. And I played with Dale McCourt. 78 points. Yeah, I played with Dale McCourt. And it was hilarious. And, uh, you know, I came back that summer and it was funny. I had the long hair and I had a ponytail and I had an earring because that's how <laughs> I went in Europe. <clears throat> and Cliff Fletcher calls me. He says, Bully, I'm the general manager in Toronto now. He says, do you want to come back to the NHL? I said, yeah, I'd love to. He says, but Philadelphia owns me. He says, I'll make a trade for you. Give me a couple days. So, so I said to Cliff, I said, uh, well, you know, I, I've been offered really good money to go back to Europe. So I said, it's going to have to be a pretty good deal. And uh, so Uncle Cliff came big, came up good for me. And uh, Did he? yeah, he came up big for me. And uh, so, you know, I, I went to Toronto and Tom Watt and I, him and I just never saw eye to eye. And he, you know what? <laughs> I think by playing in Switzerland, I learned too many bad habits of just taking the puck and going end to end and, and playing more river hockey that 
that year in the NHL, I just, you know, it was tough to get back to that same motivation. And so, you know what, Toronto ended up buying out my last year and uh, I went back to Europe and uh, said to myself, I said, well, it doesn't look like I'm going to get another crack at the NHL. Toronto kind of blackballed me for the party and then everything. And, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to go to Europe and turn it up a notch. I'm going to make it a living. And, uh, that's exactly what I did. Uh, you know, every year I, 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 I have the record for the most points in Germany and everything. So it's great. That, I mean, I mean, it, it's very impressive, Mike. And, you know, just to, just to touch up on, on the whole Maple Leaf situation, it's always good to be wanted. That's what we learn as we get older, right? You're oh, in a yeah. situation where you absolutely lit it up when you first went to Switzerland. We can talk about the 78 points, but I think is more impressive is the 41 goals in 41 games, my friend. Right? Yeah. Now, you get options where you got the top league in the world and European leagues both wanting you. You decide to go back to the NHL because, you know, we're, all, we're Canadian here. So, of course, yeah. you're going to make that decision. You get Uncle Cliff to, to hook you up. And you didn't do that bad, brother. You had 35 points in 60 games. Like, it's pretty decent numbers that you still put up, okay? You get bought out, but now, this is like the the beginning of the the second part of your career, man, right? You ended up playing 10 seasons in Germany's top level, the DEL. You, you You have multiple records there. I'm just looking like... Like 93, 94, for example, top scorer and player of the year. You're getting, you know, accolades like that, you know. So Germany, it, it's got to hold a, a, a close place in your heart, man. Oh, big time. Uh, I, they actually retired my jersey in Germany. And uh, over there, they do it differently. They have a game for you. And uh, they had a special game for me. And uh, they put my jersey in the rafters and 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 you know it's the most best honor you can ever have with my mom and dad and my and my daughter flew out to germany to see this and and you know what you can't can't put it in words i i I made my own team anybody that i played with up in germany in europe anyone close i had a couple uh close friends from back in ottawa one was a goalie and one was a forward that i had them fly out for the game and they played, and, and they played in front of 8,000-packed place. And it was, you know, the most excitement they've ever seen in their life. And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was the best feeling. And, you know, they they, 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 they played that song from uh, Simply the Best. And, you know, and I, I skated around after, and the place was going nuts. And, it, you know, my tears, and my daughter's crying. And it was just... And then I said, after that, I said, it's time to go home. And what do I do? I end up coaching over there. <laughs> you know, so I coached over there for a while. And, you know, it just, it, it became a second life for me, Sean. And, yeah. and I teach people that when they go over to Europe, don't go over for the money because you won't last. You got to love the sport still. You, 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 you know, you got to learn that. Some of these kids aren't at your level, so you got to accept them, and, and you got to be their friends. You 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 can't put them down, you, you know. And I learned that for a long time, and you know, and these guys will help you no matter if they're good or bad, you know. And it became a second life. I still get a lot of texts and everything from people in Europe, and I go over there for a lot of games, 
like uh, special retirement games, and you know, and yeah. when I step on the ice, it's like uh, I'm God. Testimonials and, and stuff. Yeah, like I'm a you're like God there, and you know, oh yeah, that's the only thing that you can ever in your life know that you you did something right is when you see people give you that respect. It's the best feeling. It, it, it's the best feeling. And, and, and I'm, I'm so happy that you shared that because really that's what it's all about. You know what I'm saying, Mike? That's what it's all about. Mike, I really, man, and, oh, first off, okay, like the, the stories that you were able to tell tonight, the insight, the excitement, dude, you, you like, you, there's got to be a movie on you, right? Like you're, you're, inc- you're incredible. But before we go though, I want to talk about the Dreamcatcher Foundation. Cause I want to talk about what, what you're involved with. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the, the Dreamcatcher was started by uh, Ken Hill and, and Jerry Montour and they, they, they've raised probably $25 million. And, and what it does is it, it's uh, it's a foundation that uh, is good for any native uh, person that's in the, uh, inside uh an indian reserve or inside canada they'll they'll help people right across canada and they'll help like they'll go up north way up north and put playgrounds they you know they help people around six nations they've uh, they you know people that can't afford to go to university or college you know they we do that and 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 you know what it's the best thing that's ever ever happened for the native uh, people and uh you know we 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 they've put through doctors uh all kinds of people uh you know uh, guys that have played uh, high level lacrosse high sports uh, and you know what it's a foundation that uh, a good friend of mine runs it to this day is uh is uh delby palace uh, who was a well-known lacrosse player and very best friends of uh, ken hill and he runs it to this day for us, and uh, you know they're they're just there to you know tutoring for kids for school. Anything they pay the tutoring, anything that can help their people succeed in life, and that that's all you can ask for. They can't afford it, they'll make sure they can afford it. And my and and that's incredible. So how does how a listener that's interested in this to support? How do they reach out to the Dreamcatcher Foundation and support? Uh, you know what, uh, the, what they do is, is uh, you know, it's funny because a lot of people have always asked that, Sean, and, and, you know, Kenny and Jerry are two proud men, and, you know, they, they've all done it just themselves. They, they, they've put the money in through the business and everything, but uh, if you look under the Dreamcatcher Foundation out of uh, Six Nations, uh, and it'll, it'll have all the steps and if you want to support and help. And, so uh, it'd be dreamcatcherfoundation.com probably? Yes, and, and I'll tell you, Sean, like, we, we – we do, we have a galas and, you know, uh, we have a lot of, uh, events where we invite celebrities and all that. And, you know, uh, it was funny. I had a gala the one year and they wanted kind of the tough guy, tough guy route. And I brought in Chris Nyland and, and guys like that. And, and you know what? They love them because what people don't understand. And I hope people, when they're, if they're listening to this podcast is if you have something there's a lot of older players that don't make a lot of money and they're struggling a little bit in life. And if I can help those guys that I play with or that and give them a, you know, an extra $1,500 for showing up or something like that, 
or make them get ahead of different routes. But, uh, you know, those are the guys that will stay after a gala and have a couple beers and actually talk to you and tell you what it's all about. You know, yeah. the, the new kids nowadays just don't have time for you. I know. And it's frustrating. And yeah. that's why people love it. They said, you know, like I, if I get in a bar and I don't drink and I'm in, I'm in there all the time with the guys and they, they said, boy, you got to start telling some stories. Uh, we can be in there two, three hours. And then like, it starts with five people. Next thing you know, there's 20 people, you know, yeah. and, and uh, that's just, uh, you know, but I, I'm one of those guys that very, very, I respect myself to a point where I don't walk into someone. I don't tell, Hey, you know what? I scored 50 goals. I, I'm not that kind of person. You know, if, and but I'm also was taught a long time ago from my dad. You want to talk shop? Let's talk shop. I said, you're not. Don't go. Hey, I'll go out of my way to talk shop. If it's football, it's basketball. I said, if I don't know it, I'll bullshit it. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Hey, man, you, you couldn't said any better than that, man. That that's fantastic, dude. So I'm I'm gonna put you on the spot. You're coming back for a part two, right? Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. I really, I really enjoy myself. I, you know what they they've been asking me. Uh, you know, spit and check, let's not get on the show. But you know what? I have a daughter. Yeah. You know what? And and I have to respect my daughter too. Oh, of course. Hey man, listen, spit and chicklets, you know, I'm a big fan of theirs, but what they need yeah. to realize is I usually get guests before them. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and I think I and I am I'm, I'm just joking, Mike. But but yeah, no, this is um that I'm a big fan of Spit and Chicklets as well, but trust me, they got a lot of sponsorship. They got a lot of people helping out. They got they got guests. They'll be okay. Sean, you got to get a drink. The Sean McMorrow tequila or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, 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 hey, man, anything that's in, that you're involved, I, I want to be a part of it, buddy. And but, I, 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 and I'll be honest to tell you, everybody, I, I, I've, I've been looking. You guys have been really getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I love your guests. And, and you know what? Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, anytime you want me on it, I'm a call away. I really appreciate that, buddy. And I, I wanted to thank the listeners for also tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff with special guest Mike Bullard, the 50-goal scorer, the 100-point man, the Mr. Team Canada 1986, which we'll get into in part two. I want to you thank got- you for coming on again, my brother. Okay, Sean, I met a friend. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And and we're going to sign out now, guys.